Hello everyone, welcome. I'm Lucas Martin, the voice of Arthur Winnipeg and his contact, who I still don't think has really a name yet. And I'm Morgan Lane, I wrote The Crash of the Mellifera, and I'm the voice of Worker B. For this uh, month, we have a Q&A with Morgan, and um, before we begin, I have one housekeeping item to uh, take care of. Season two, we initially planned to start it in early 2023, or wow, 2024, <laughs> um, and that is going to be pushed back just slightly, um, so yeah. It'll probably be, we're going to shoot for March, no promises, but we're going to shoot for March. And if anything changes, we will uh, keep you updated, and hopefully we will continue to upload at least bonus material throughout this wait, so you still have something. It'll be worth the wait. Everyone remembers that. All right, but for this month, we have a Q&A, as I said, so I have some questions lined up from Morgan, and this is just about the podcast and... Uh, general questions regarding the uh, the podcast. You shouldn't have. I know. Okay, <laughs> overall, mm-hmm. what sorts of things have influenced your writing with Mellifera? It's, I feel like a lot of times the reason I write is because of what I don't see. Uh, well, for instance, the, you have a lot of, you have the trope of the evil AI that's over everything and that you know destroys like kills a bunch of people and then finally it's overthrown and it's this huge heroic moment and it's like not every media does that immediately but there's a part of me that relates very strongly to the ai and robot characters so the idea of oh well you know they were the bad guy they had no redeeming qualities and then they're gone and you're not supposed to relate to them at all kind of like throws me a little bit and especially because when there's a robot uprising, well, you know what that sounds a lot like? Uh, not great. Uh, not great at all. Like how Overwatch handled its Omnic yeah. uprising thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, no. I, I will say, as far as, like, the humor and stuff, <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous, but I feel like, honestly, like, Valve's uh, games Portal and TF2 have kind of influenced my writing a lot. Uh that honestly doesn't surprise me. Yeah, like TF2 just because of the absolutely bonkers backstory that's that unfolds and just the way that the characters bounce off each other and it's this weird like just larger than life world and then Portal because it's Portal. GLaDOS is amazing. Everyone loves GLaDOS. Like she has some of the like most hilarious lines and just the entire premise of Portal was just brilliant. So, yeah. Do you have any podcasts that have inspired you? Uh, obviously, there's been a few. Um, really enjoyed Wolf 359. Uh, media like that, podcasts like that, really showcase what you can do with the medium as a storytelling vessel. And it's really cool. I loved listening to all the little twists and turns and how it starts off really goofy and then get got really serious. Um, and also, for a very different reason, uh, the Magnus Archives, uh, that's more because I heard that they were able to record their first few seasons, or maybe just the first season, 
in the guy's apartment with you know under blankets and so i was like oh well i can do that i have a room i have blankets i just need to buy microphones and uh since i've already you know i've always been writing anyways the idea of doing something in script format where i could perform it was just really uh intriguing to me very cool Mm -hmm. and moving off still from the inspiration train uh what's the inspiration behind the two main characters worker b and winnipeg well, Winnipeg came into being, like, a lot of Crash of the Mellifera has its roots in just doing kind of, sometimes they called it communal storytelling, but really it was role-playing role playing. Uh, with other writers. We've all done uh, it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a wonderful way to figure your guys out. Um, but, a, you know, a friend of mine was in a role-play, and they were like, hey, if you join, you could have this, like, you know, this bounty hunter guy who's, you know, chasing my character. And so I was like, okay. And I made up Winnipeg. And then I liked him too much for him to just, you know, be a bad guy forever and have no redeeming qualities or anything else going on with him. So he became more of his own thing. Um, as far as what inspired him... Well, the setting was kind of steampunk. <laughs> it wasn't actually sci-fi. Um, so, and it was I, just, so he was just kind of fulfilling a role. Yeah, he was fulfilling a role, and it just kind of built from there. So the the answer for Winnipeg is, uh, like, whatever was buried in my brain that was like, oh, it'd be cool to have this guy who was really good at it. I do have a story about Winnipeg to share. When Morgan and I first met, it was through a storytelling contest, I'll, I'll call it. Yeah. And... When I was introduced to Winnipeg as a character back then, and this was almost 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, he's really cool. I get really big trans vibes from him. You don't have to do anything with it, but that's just kind of like my headcanon for him. I I, want to think of him as being trans, even though he's not. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. And then (laughs) two or three years later, she sends me a message saying so your thing about your head canon about winnipeg being trans i can't really get that out of my mind so <laughs> i think he's just going to be trans now and i was like score one for me so i guess in some ways you're the inspiration for winnipeg Aww. Aww. um worker b is kind of in- again kind of inspired by glados a little bit but in a very like what do you mean? I believe everything I'm doing. I really am trying to help you kind of way. Um, also, just like there was. OK, so there's a book, Brave New World, which I mean, yeah, everyone knows about that book. It's been around for a while. And I read the first part of it and then I got tired of the main character. So I skipped to see what happened with Bernard. And then I skipped to the end and found out that the main character, like spoiler alert, main character does die. Um, and I was like, okay. And I don't know, the idea of like kind of a dystopian world and stuff is very, like, that's a very interesting thing to me, but I, I like to examine things in a much more like kind of, you know, manic, bouncy, uh, kind of, um. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like TF2. Ridiculous like TF2, satirical kind of way. And, uh, I don't know, having a character who is just completely taken in by 
the powers that be. You know, not a not a fascist government as much as just a corporation. Uh, but like having a character that is in that position and completely taken in, that re- resonates with me on a personal level, and also just works really well for a protagonist of a satire. So there you go. Very cool. Um, what are you hoping? that people will get out of listening to this podcast uh i hope that they like uh i hope they like the characters obviously i hope they relate to the characters and their plights i hope that they're able to a lot of it is kind of just me trying to communicate a lot of the stuff that goes on in my own head and that i have a very hard time expressing in another way uh because there's a lot of Like, I feel like there has been a large part of my life where, in a way, I kind of was worker bee. Not in the, oh, I have control over other people's lives and I'm going to terrorize them by trying to, I don't know, make them be on a talk show over my intercoms sort of thing. But just, like, you know, thinking, well, of course I'm supposed to do this for, you know, so long as I just do the right thing at the company or wherever I work or in life, the government, whatever, then everything's going to be just fine. And I just have to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. And the people who are in charge are supposed to be in charge. And it's great. And so I've kind of been in that position before. And I feel like Worker Bee is a very good vessel for kind of, you know, teasing out a little bit of that and being like, okay, what what does it feel like to be in that position and to have it slowly like crumble around you or to realize that maybe like the world's a lot more complicated than you thought it was. Uh, And I hope that there's a lot of questions like that that people can, um, I don't know, maybe examine for themselves or just, you know, that other people who have been in that situation because my experiences are not you know unique yeah yeah they can like i'm sure that there's other people out there who have felt that same thing and who have had similar growing up stories i guess as mine so yeah if they can get even uh if they can get anything of that from it and both be entertained and maybe just be able to reconcile with any part of themselves in that way that'd be pretty cool oh yeah or they can just laugh at the jokes. Hey, that's cool, too. <laughs> I just laugh at the jokes, honestly. I'm perfect in every way, so. Should, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> cool, cool, cool. What was the most fun thing about making season one? The most fun thing. Um, Funnest thing? The No, most fun, I think, is still correct. Uh, I might be wrong. I don't know. Word. Um... You know, I think just the process of seeing that first, the script turn into an actual finished product. And I know that that, that's a pretty vague, overarching answer. Uh, I might be able to get something more specific here in a minute. But like, kind of it's, it's nice when you have like this huge thing with a bunch of moving parts. And as you near the end, it's all coming together into the finished project and it I guess it, it matches kind of what you were hoping it would be. Yeah. Not not perfectly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I but... have a problem with perfectionism. <laughs> um, um, but it's just kind of like you see it all come together in its finished state and you can Yeah. Look at look back at what you did and be like, I did that. 
And exactly. While, it's, while, it's, while it may not be like the most perfect best thing ever, I still did I that. I think it is the best thing ever. No. Um. <laughs> uh, that's me. Yeah. Uh, wow. You, I've well, lived with you too long, Lucas. Well, nobody asked me, but my favorite part of season one was hearing uh, all of our friends, uh, their recorded voice acting. Oh, gosh. I liked yeah. that. And I, I liked also how excited um, everyone was. You know to... what? I think, yeah. Like, gosh. I mean, you can still them. have your favorite thing. You don't have to copy me in my perfection. Hey, well, hey, Lucas. I mean, you reminded me of how great that was. Like, I remember recording with uh, Rihanna, who does the voice of Sierra Savannah. And just, like, the joy that she takes in being just this giant Karen is, like, the funniest thing to me. And... Every, like, I don't want to, you know, single her out and be like, yeah, everyone else was okay. But Rihanna, no. No, but, everyone else was really great. Yeah, like, you know, everyone has been, like, they've been so supportive. They've been, and these are people who are just, you know, friends of mine that are willing to volunteer their time for this project. It makes me, it's really pretty humbling because it's like. They're great. Yeah. You guys are great. I'm giving you finger guns. Mwah. And bouncing off of that, what was the most challenging thing about uh, when you faced when making uh, your first podcast? Soundscaping the elevator scene. I know (laughs) I have said this so many times, but like, honestly, it's like, like so many other things are fine because it's like, oh, an explosion happens. That's something that has nothing to do with character movement. It's not, like, it's very obvious what an explosion is. Like, nope. And, you know, two for one, most people haven't heard a spaceship crash into the ground. Most people haven't heard that. But, like, whenever you're supposed to simulate a person moving around in an environment doing very specific things, that's actually, that takes a lot of, like, trial and error and stuff. And... I won't say that it's perfect, but I will say I am very happy with how it turned out. So it was very challenging, but like, yeah, I would have it no other way. I It turned out great. In my opinion. Yeah. The most challenging thing for me. Yeah. In participating with this first podcast. Yeah. Were the animals. Uh, yeah. You might be able to hear Lex over here crunching his food. I don't know. I'm sitting here recording blanket over my head, dogs sitting not two feet away from me. Yeah. And I am hand feeding him his food one piece of kibble at a time. That dog. So he stops pacing and stops barking. He's, he's very spoiled. He's so spoiled and he's so smart too. And it makes him really anxious. Anyway. He's a good boy. Uh, last question. Yeah? Uh, do you have any plans for future projects? Maybe, I guess, si- simultaneous releases with Melifra or anything? Uh, yeah, I've got a few different, uh, plates spinning, as it were. Um, I don't... Irons in the fire, as Vriska Homestuck would say. I'm gonna ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got a few things. Nothing with, like, a definite, uh, release date or even a planned, like, oh, about this time I'll release this new thing, but... Uh, I have another, like, podcast short sort of thing that I want to do eventually. Uh, That's more of a horror thing. It's like, oh, a horror podcast. That's pretty on the nose for what people are into right now. But, like, you know. (laughs) how creative. That's because because spooky things are great, guys, obviously. 
Um, I have the story with Douglas in it that I love that I'm going to write more. If you don't know, like it's fine if they don't know. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, just another story about some little brat guy. Yeah, it's it's a fantasy type, like urban Urban fantasy type thing. I've got I've got like the first uh, chapter of that on my website. If you want to look at it, just be warned that. There are no other chapters yet, and it is going to be a long time until there's more. Um, I've also got Apocrita, which is also the first chapters on there. It's uh, kind of a... It's got bugs. Yeah, it's like if Game of Thrones was about bugs, kind of. Mm. Well, maybe Shakespeare, like, knock off Shakespeare, but with bugs, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think... That, I that's bad. That's cool. Game of Thrones has too much uh, sexual content that yeah. you would not... That you aren't... You are not recreating with bugs we've got um, apoc- so um there's apocrita um so yeah oh and also my thing that is going to take the longest to do and will probably not come out for a very long time shard's claw another fantasy story with another character where i'm just trying to work out my own inner stuff <laughs> but i love that one and it will happen eventually it's just taking a while so yeah i mean it's very personal to you um yeah You've been working on it since before we met. So I can understand wanting to have a thorough understanding of what you want to explore, who the characters are. And it keeps changing as you keep getting older and understand yourself more. Yeah. So it it makes sense that this has kind of been floating in your head for a long time. Exactly. All right. That's all I have. Well, that was excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next month. See you next month. Bye. Bye.